Coming up this evening, live from New York City, Tesla CEO Elon Musk giving workers an ultimatum. Return to the office or leave. Why the new policy? A majority of student loan borrowers made no payments during the pandemic freeze. How do those who didn't pay stack up against those who did? A Deutsche Bank executive resigns hours after German police raid offices. Over allegations, its DWS group made misleading claims. That and much more coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Chenny Wu here for NTD Business. Tesla CEO Elon Musk really wants people back to work. He's demanding that the company's office workers return to in-person work or leave the company. The new policy was disclosed in leaked emails that Musk sent to Tesla's executive staff Tuesday. He wrote, anyone who wants to do remote work must be in the office for at least 40 hours a week or depart Tesla. Musk said he would personally review any requests for exemption. But for the most part, quote, if you don't show up, we will assume you have resigned. He said the company will continue to make the most exciting and meaningful products of any company on earth. And that won't happen by phoning it in. Tesla did not respond to a request for comment on the change. So if you're going to leave Tesla, there are plenty of other job openings right now. The Labor Department says for every unemployed person seeking work, there are nearly two job openings. That's the exact opposite of what we saw from the year 2000 to 2017. And it seems businesses aren't letting go of the talent they have. Firings and layoffs are at record low. For Americans who are working right now, some might have to work just a little longer before retiring. A new study shows a portion of Americans are delaying their retirement because of inflation. NTD's Phil Zoe has a story. From food to gas and even rent, prices are going up for many things. So a lot of people are saying, you know, maybe I should ride it out at the office another year or so. Higher prices are pushing 25% of Americans to delay their retirement plans. That's according to a new BMO Harris Bank survey. I spoke to Ted Rossman, senior analyst at personal finance firm Bankrate. He says that's a reasonable solution for now. Working longer brings in more income, obviously, but it also delays having to tap your 401k or other retirement savings. Also, the longer you wait to claim Social Security, the more money you can get there, uh, at least up until 70. Beyond that, there's no point in waiting. 36% of those surveyed said they had to reduce their savings. Young Americans under the age of 34 were impacted the most, with 60% saying they're saving less now to pay for daily necessities. But Rossman says that's a bad idea. Saving up early is important. Somebody who starts saving young, even if they don't save a tremendous amount, but if they start early, that power of compound interest can actually leave them with way more money than somebody who started later, even if that person who started later saved more money. Some Americans are changing their habits too, including dining out less, spending less on vacations, if any, driving less, and even cutting subscriptions to services like Netflix and the gym. More Americans are also actively seeking financial advice, with over 50% surveys saying their bankers and financial advisors were vital to helping them meet their financial goals. Phil Zhou, NTD News, New York. 
A majority of student loan borrowers didn't make any payments during the pandemic freeze. That's according to a recent article by the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. It said 60 percent of borrowers who qualified for forbearance didn't make a single payment between August 2020 and December 2021. It seems the financial divide between those who paid and those who didn't is getting bigger. At the end of last year, the credit card balances of those who didn't make payments rose at a faster pace. Their delinquency rates on credit cards and auto and mortgage debts also rose more. Signs that their budgets might already be strained. And they could have trouble restarting student loan payments when the freeze is lifted at the end of August. Down on Wall Street today, markets closed lower. The Dow fell 177 points, or half a percent. The S&P was down 31 points, or three-quarters of a percent. And the Nasdaq lost 87 points, or seven-tenths of a percent. Also, bad news for drivers. Gas prices hit another record high today, at $4.67 a gallon. One analyst says we could see $4.75 in about 10 days. Later this month, the Federal Reserve will begin reducing the size of its balance sheet to help fight inflation. Reducing its balance sheet is like taking money out of the economy. The Fed pumped trillions of dollars into the economy when the pandemic began. That propped up financial markets and real estate assets, but it's inflationary. Now, with inflation running at historic highs, the Fed wants to go in reverse. But that's not as easy as backing up your car. The last time the Fed tried to reduce the size of its balance sheet was in 2018. That likely contributed to a market sell-off that forced the Fed to halt its plans. This time, the action begins June 15th. We'll keep you updated. Last year, the Fed assured us inflation was transitory or temporary. The Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said inflation posed only a small risk. She framed inflation as a temporary side effect of the economy returning to normal following the pandemic. But on Tuesday, admitted she was wrong. I think I was wrong then about um, the path that inflation um, would take. As I mentioned, there have been unanticipated and large shocks to the economy that have boosted uh, energy and food prices and um, supply bottlenecks that have affected our economy badly that I didn't, at the time didn't fully understand. Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell also has taken heat for his initial assessment of rising inflation and what some say was a slow response to it. However, the Fed has now promised to swiftly raise interest rates. Earlier this month, it increased rates by half a percentage point for the first time since 2000. The Fed has also signaled further aggressive rate hikes in the months to come. After Germany's federal agents raided Deutsche Bank's offices yesterday, one top official has resigned. The bank is accused of lying about their environmental, social and governance credentials. NTD's Faye Quarter has more.
The head of Deutsche Bank's asset management unit, DWS Group, is resigning. This happened after federal agents raided Deutsche Bank's offices on Tuesday amid allegations of greenwashing. Greenwashing is when firms mislead people about how good they are to the environment. It's a warning for investors who are putting money into ESG funds, funds that are painting themselves as guardians of the environment and society. The starting point is making sure that whatever firm is holding itself out as an ESG or impact investment investment firm actually is utilizing some form of metric-driven measurement system. Michael Korengold is the CEO of Enhanced Capital. Korengold says there are many of these measurement systems. So, for example, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals um, UN SDGs are a common set. But investment expert Lance Roberts says the standard is a bit murky. There's no real metrics. ExxonMobil, the evil oil company, has a higher ESG rating than Tesla, right? And they're, they make electric cars. Roberts is the chief investment strategist of RIA Advisors. He believes investing in ESG funds doesn't benefit ESG-centric companies or the environment because investors trading shares between each other doesn't send money to the company itself. If you want to be ESG, go plant a tree, right? Go make a real difference. Go invest in a startup company that needs private capital that's solving some problem with the climate. Investors are pouring billions into funds with the ESG label. Bloomberg estimates assets could reach $41 trillion by year end. Faye Quarter, NTD News. The U.S. is about to begin new trade talks with Taiwan. It's significant because the U.S. recently caused a stir by not including Taiwan in a new Asian economic framework. Taiwan is a kind of political hot potato. It's a democratic society with its own constitution, but the Chinese Communist Party claims ownership of the island. The United States, by law, needs to ensure Taiwan has the ability to defend itself from a CCP attack. The U.S. also relies heavily on Taiwan for computer chips. It's the world's top producer of high-end chips, the kind of chips the U.S. military uses. We don't have specific details on the trade talks yet, but it will apparently include efforts to curb state-owned enterprises and non-market practices. U.S. officials told Reuters they're ready to move quickly. We'll keep you updated. China's unemployment rate for young people is hitting record highs. A record 10 million university students will also graduate in 2022 and flood the labor market. It'll be very difficult for these students to find a job, What's the cause? NTD's Don Ma speaks with China expert and economic analyst Ethan Yang. Ethan, thanks for joining us. So China's jobless rate among 16 to 24-year-olds is at record highs, 18%. It's more than double the rate in the U.S. Why is it so high? Is it because there's not enough work or is the younger demographic not willing to work? So that's a great question and thanks for having me, Don. Uh, so the reason why China's employment, unemployment rate is so high is predominantly because of two factors, uh, one of which is the renewed lockdown policies that are now spreading across the country as Omicron breaks out, and the other is due to their longstanding regulatory policies due to common prosperity, which started in 2021. Um, to, your, to your point about whether it's the youth unwilling to work, um, that, that does not really factor into unemployment, because if you declare that you're not willing to work, then you, are most, then you would also be declared um, not in the labor pool. So that's not really factored in. So you talked about common prosperity. Does that mean last year's crackdown on China's consumer tech and education sectors 
that is a contributing factor to unemployment rate? Absolutely. So some of the largest sectors hemorrhaging uh, workers would be big tech, uh, ed private education, unemployment numbers have steadily increasing over time. If you look at the long-term trend of Chinese unemployment, it spiked in 2020. That's because of the outbreak of the virus. Then it gradually goes down as it becomes as it gets under control. But then once 2021 gets around, when the crack, the regulatory crackdowns start happening, it starts to take up. And then once the zero COVID policy, Shanghai lockdown style policies go into effect, that's when it really skyrockets. So I just want to focus a little bit on uh, the younger demographic. A record 10 million college graduates are expected to enter China's job market. So what's the reality facing them? Mm. Yeah, the, I mean, the reality is as poor as, as it can get for uh, graduates in a country as advanced and as educated as China, uh, because these are the people that are going to be most affected by uh, these policies because they're mostly focusing on uh, educated work, right? These are people who would uh, want jobs in the big tech firms, want jobs in private education, want jobs in the cutting edge. And that's what got hit hardest by the common prosperity initiatives. And then all those who maybe don't really fit that mold are also thrown under the bus as well. I think JD, Alibaba, uh, what was it, Tencent, they posted double-digit layoffs uh, recently, which is absurd. Uh, and these companies are also absolutely massive. These are mega companies. And so the fact that these companies are losing double-digit numbers worth of employees um, is really going to dampen the job prospects of all these recent graduates. You're getting a lot of students who are basically being left with a little future to, to be seen within the, within the foreseeable uh, upcoming future. Right. It seems like a very serious situation. Do you see any way out for them? I mean, the, the quick answer would be to stop with these policies that are mostly based on politics and not necessarily uh, correlated with any sort of sound economic thinking. Uh, but that is unlikely because, like I said, the this is a political matter. Uh, so I think the CCP is really between a rock and a hard place in the sense that uh, they want to continue with these political objectives, but those political objectives are leading to their own consequences, i.e. A, a huge unemployment rate. Ethan, what are the short-term and long-term impacts on the Chinese economy if the unemployment rate stays high? Hmm. So the short-term effects is what we're seeing right now is that you just have a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of protests when it comes to lack of opportunity. So if this continues for a long time, then you have a lot of young people unemployed. And I think out of all the different organizations on earth, the political organizations, the CCP should probably be the most afraid of young people because young people in China They've been responsible for extremely destabilizing protest movements. There's Tiananmen Square protests. In the long term, if the CCP cannot get this under control, they might have some very interesting protests some very interesting movements to be dealing with uh, when it comes to controlling their own population. Ethan Yang, Research Fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, send us an email at business at ntd.com. Still to come, a milestone for movie theater subscriptions. Cinemark's Movie Club attracts one million paying subscribers for the first time ever. Malaysia's chicken export ban causing worries for restaurant owners in Singapore. Will customers eat frozen meat from farther away? That and more coming up on NTD Business.
Welcome back. We told you about how tight the labor market is earlier in the show. And now more and more companies are making up that worker shortage with robots. In fact, they ordered 40% more robots this past quarter than the same period last year. According to the Association for Advancing Automation, 9,000 robots were sold in the country in the first quarter of this year, worth $540 million. Traditionally, car makers have been the biggest customer of automation. But recently, more non-auto companies are getting robots too, like metals, plastics and rubber, electronics and the food industry. Think Robot Burger Flipper. Boston Dynamics is one of the leaders in the robotics industry. One of their best-known inventions is a robot dog called Spot. It's used to explore remote or dangerous places where it's not safe for humans to go. It sells for $75,000. And Chick-fil-A is one of the companies turning to automation. It's adding delivery robots to some restaurant locations. And today's Sean Marshall has the details. Food delivery robots are possibly a threat to delivery driver rules. But now, delivery service companies have to compete with restaurants using their own delivery robots. Chick-fil-A has teamed up with Refraction AI and is testing out their mostly autonomous robots at a limited number of restaurants in California, Texas, and Florida. I spoke with restaurant tech expert Craig Kiefner about the money grab happening in the robot industry. Robotics of all types, you know, are are just surging right now. I mean, you've got EV charging, for example, that's surging. Robotics is right there with it, surging. And food robots, that's, you know, that's the low-hanging fruit. The robot was built on a bicycle foundation and as such operates in the bike lane, traveling at speeds of around 15 miles per hour. Slower speeds than a full-size autonomous vehicle are supposed to carry less risk and no need of expensive LiDAR sensing technology to see far away. The delivery bots might help calm down issues caused by Chick-fil-A's extremely long drive-through lines, which multiple states have sued them over. You can't look at the takeout or, or the pickup or the curbside without thinking about the parking lots and the traffic that's out there due to the drive-throughs. If customers place their orders online or in the Chick-fil-A app within one mile of the test restaurant, they might have their food delivered by a robot. Sean Marshall, NTD News. On Tuesday, travel industry leaders pressed the Biden administration to end testing requirements for vaccinated international travelers entering the U.S. The push came at a meeting between White House officials and representatives from travel industry groups. Airlines for America and the U.S. Travel Association say the requirement is harming the economy and doesn't match current threat from COVID-19. Among other things, they pointed out that restrictions on many other businesses have been lifted, but remain in effect for travel. They also noted other countries with whom they have with whom they compete, have removed their pre-departure testing requirements and reopened their tourism economies. A good sign for movie theaters. Cinemark has signed up 1 million paying subscribers to its movie club subscription plan, hailing a rebound in moviegoing after disruptions from the pandemic. It said it was the first to cross the 1 million milestone for a paid subscription plan. 
Launched in late 2017, Cinemark Movie Club costs $10 a month for a movie, discounts on additional tickets and concessions, and other benefits. The pandemic shuttered movie theaters, and ticket sales have yet to recover. Year-to-date sales in the United States and Canada are running 40% behind the same point in 2019, according to Comscore. Theater owners are hoping for a strong summer, pointing to big audiences for recent releases like Top Gun Maverick. Malaysia's export ban on chickens is weighing heavily on Singapore. The country imports about a third of its chicken supply from Malaysia. Now, chicken restaurants are trying to pivot to keep their businesses running. Jason Albano reports. A ban on exports of all chicken in Malaysia is threatening a dish central to the identity of its neighbor Singapore. Steamed rice, a side of greens, and some poached chicken make chicken rice, sold all over the city for cheap at its famous hawker stalls. Daniel Tan owns several stalls across the island nation. He says fresh meat from over the border is optimal for poached chicken, with frozen meat from further abroad a poor substitute. But without a clear end to the ban in sight, Tan is preparing for the worst as customers react to the change. The ban would mean we are no longer able to sell. It's like McDonald's with no burgers, or maybe Coca-Cola with a Coke. We still will operate, but I'm expecting a strong heat in sales. Um, I'll be happy if I have half the volume. Basically, the strategy is not to make any money, it's how much we're going to lose. If I have to lose 126k a month, we'll be bankrupt by the first month. Malaysia announced the chicken export ban just last week, citing soaring costs to raise the birds, in particular chicken feed. That's typically made up of grain and soybean, which Malaysia has to itself import. But Russia's invasion of Ukraine and uncertain weather patterns have created a global shortage. Chicken farmer Siaizol Zulkafli says he was able to harvest as many as seven times a year, with 45,000 birds harvested per cycle. This year, he only expects five. There's a schedule changes due to slow growth of chicken. The slow growth of chicken is affected by feed quality as well. This feed quality is a global issue where the, the rising cost of feed material from abroad has forced some feed millers to adjust their feed level unlike what we had previously back before MCO. Uh, so that's the difference between now and two years back. Though the export ban may be temporary, Siaizo says it's creating a long-term headache. The farmer worries countries that consistently imported their poultry, like Singapore, could easily find another vendor. And if he has to stomach more losses in the future, he says he's better off becoming a rideshare driver instead. A type of Greek cheese is at risk of disappearing from supermarket shelves. This as the costs of feed, fuel and fertilizers for livestock breeders continue to rise due to the war in Ukraine. NTD's Andrew Thomas reports. Greek graviera cheese is one of Naxos Island's most popular products, but breeders are being forced to slaughter their animals. I have started slaughtering the animals that make about 20 kilograms of milk so that I can preserve the ones that make more milk because we cannot feed them because of the high prices of animal feed. Naxian graviera must be made using only local cows, goats and sheep's milk. And as milk quantities dwindle, so does cheese production. I had dreams when I took over from my father that I would increase the livestock. I would expand the unit, make it more state-of-the-art. 
And now everything is frozen. I can't do that. And the problems just seem to be adding up. There is a relative shortage in supermarket shelves right now, and that is due to the rise in costs for stock breeders, with the result that livestock has been reduced. More than 300 cows have been slaughtered, and more than 30,000 sheep and goats, and it's continuing. Milk production is down 7 to 8 metric tons a day, and that could reach 10 metric tons a day. A ship full of animal feed imported from Bulgaria is docked in the island's port. But even that is little relief for the farmers, as high transportation costs more than tripled the price of it. Under these conditions, livestock breeding will end on our island. They will end up slaughtering all the animals. The state needs to wake up and stand by the stock breeders. We are disappointed. We are desperate. The conflict in Ukraine and drought has sent global prices for grains, fuel and fertilizer soaring. In Greece, inflation surged to its highest level in 27 years in March. Even if the war ends tomorrow morning, which we hope it does, the consequences of the war will persist for at least another year and a half. The Greek government has provided relief to farmers across the country, but they are asking for even more subsidies and tax cuts. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, send us an email at business at ntd.com. That's the latest from the NTD business team and myself, Chenny Wu. You can still catch NTD Evening News with Stephanie Cox at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can follow me on Twitter, too. For NTD Business, that's all for today. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.